Welcome to the 2017-2018 Yellow Wallpot Season Awards. It is the most prestigious award among Borussia Dortmund players. It is destined to find its spot between the Champions League trophy and the World Club Cup in the Borussia. I'm sure of that. We have 20 categories added by yours truly and Lars Bollmann and obviously hosted by our listeners, which we are very proud of. Some are serious, some are funny, and uh, they will obviously determine who will win the award. I'm Stefan Busco, the host of this episode, and I'm proud to announce the Euros. First, the founder of the Yellow Wall Pod, and as we determined in uh, the pre-pod talks, he is the old man in the mountains of Colorado, Matthias Zuck. Welcome to the show. I find that very ageist and offensive. <laughs> Well, I don't have anything to say about Konstantin Neckner's age because he is the same age as I am, but he is our tactics professor and he likes to travel the world in elegant attire. That means he can explain to you the difference between a double six and a double eight, but also the difference between a smoking and a dinner jacket. Konstantin, welcome to the show. Uh, all right. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> um, I'm very happy to explain any, anything and everything you want me to yeah that's that's great Constantine, and i'm sure you will have a lot of chances to do that on the show i'm afraid Lars could not make it he has to step in uh, for someone uh, else in his uh, voluntary work for the german fa and in his own words he is at some game somewhere in bonn where it's pissing down in the rain so Greetings to Lars. Also, I'm uh, very uh, happy to announce that we have a sponsor for this episode. Daniel Kling pitched in with 10 bucks on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, I guess without any further ado, we can start the first category, which is the player of the season. Konstantin, who is your player of the season? Um, my player of the season is despite uh, having only played I think dozens of matches. Um, Marco Reus. Why? <laughs> well, why? I mean, obviously, because he's the best Dortmund player. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, he made an impressive return. Um, had some, a couple of uh, impressive performances. Um, you know, when he showed fitness and and form and everything that's that's necessary. Um, when when he does that, I and mean, he's just one of a kind and one of the best Dortmund players club has had f f in many years um and i mean rightfully so he was you know uh chosen by by your for the world cup squad and yeah so i think he made an impressive return um of course other players have uh, made more appearances throughout the season so there's an argument against worries uh but just you know just on the basis of his performances um i think he was or at least to me he was the player of the season all right matthias Do you also name Marco Reus or do you have someone else? Uh, no, I, I also name Marco Reus for all the aforementioned reasons. I think he's by far the best player on the squad um, and had the best performances con at a consistent level during the season. Yeah, that is very true and it's really hard to argue against, but I'll try anyway because my pick is Mario Götze. Um, he has impressed me the most on the course of the entire season. I think had Mark Royce played the entire season as well, I think I would have uh, yeah, voted for him as well, but uh, simply because Mario gets to play the entire season. 
Although he had a lot of bad performances like a lot of other players, I think he really carried the team for quite a while, especially under, under Bosch when he was in, in central midfield, but also later under Stöger, that he was not really a flashy player, but I think he managed to give a team that lacked structure structure. <laughs> so um that was to me a very key and a very very valuable asset in, in Dortmund season overall. Um I I think if if we really look at who has performed the best most consistency, Marco Royce has to be the one as you already picked, but uh, I I think Mario Götze managed, even though he did not get a lot of limelight and face a lot of criticism, I, I think in, in my view at least he managed to um yeah improve Dortmund significantly and I, I think his absence was notable and it was also notable when uh, Peter Sugar used him in a in a very weird position that uh yeah something sort of was missing, so he gets my vote. So I guess that's two for Rice, one for Götze. And we move over to the next category, match of the season. I feel that's going to be a very easy one. Um, I'm going with a 4-0 win against Bayer Leverkusen. I think after that win, we all agreed on that being the best performance of the season. And since with Mainz and Hoffenheim didn't follow anything better, um, or I think Bremen also came afterwards. Um, yeah, the, the 4 0 win against Leverkusen, in my view, was the most coherent performance from the first minute to the 90. May, maybe the only thing that takes away a little bit from that is that Leverkusen came off and were at the heel of like a cup game against Bayern and a very tough, um, season. But uh, if, if you look at the final table, that game was also crucial for Dortmund to secure the fourth place. And yeah, um, I just think that Dortmund managed to, yeah, play well for once in, in all, on all ends of the, of the pitch, which wasn't that often. Leverkusen didn't really have many chances. Dortmund created a lot, could have scored way more than four goals. And, uh, yeah, it was also a very fun game to watch on a very warm night at the Westfalenstadion with a warm afternoon. I certainly had a lot of fun. What about you, Matthias? Well, I mean, if we're going by best performance as a team, obviously Leverkusen match is, is by far the best one. But when it comes to the most memorable match, the match that I will never, ever, ever, unfortunately forget, <laughs> it's it's got to be the Revier Derby, the four all, uh, just as, as far as craziest match witnessed uh, in a long time with Dortmund. Um, you know, there are a few matches over the many years since I'm so old uh, that really stick out. You know, you think of Malaga as an example in, in recent years, and this one will stick out just because of of the nature of how it happened and, and how it became symbolic of not, not overall the season, but Bosch's time at Dortmund. So, for a totally different reason, I'm going to have to say the 4-all against Schalke. Yeah, which is a fair enough point. I mean, if we really look back at this season and, and games we will remember, I think that one sticks out. Konstantin? Yeah, um, uh, I agree. I also have chosen the Oyoyo Derby, the 4-4, um, just because I like torture and, you know, it gave <laughs> me some some edge. So, 
All right. Um, who was the best? Well, what was the best individual performance in your view, Constantine? Yeah, I will choose an underrated performance, uh, underrated best performance, um, which was the yeah. You you may you may you may want to save that for later because we have that category. No, no, no. The the, the category uh, regarding underrated is, I think, something else. It's more like unnoticed performance, but I yeah. think that's more uh, over the course of the entire season, probably. I All don't right. know. I just have, you know, I have something and I wanted to spill it out. Um, uh, Jordan Sancho, uh, Jaden Sancho against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. I yeah, think it picture, was a... pic picture perfect performance. And and my book was the best by, you know, a single player this season. Single Dortmund, single Dortmund player, of course. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> Uh, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to agree uh, with Constantine. It's actually the same one that I wrote down because it was just so standout. And and let's just say Jaden Sancho and probably that match against Leverkusen are going to pop up a few times in my list today. Yeah, definitely, because it was also his breakout game, if you want. it's it's It was just... Um, yeah, it was a really great performance because he was just so dominant he was involved in every goal in one way or another uh, we all will remember that pristine touch that he showed to uh basically take a long ball from i think akanji it was out of the air mid-run we we once saw something like that from Mario Götze against hamburg in like 2010 or so and yeah that was really really a beautiful performance and this this makes it actually three um, Lars, I think, had uh, Roman Bürki against Gladbach, which is also a very, very good shout. I think that was Lars's other 10 out of 10 rating he had in the, in the season. But uh, yeah, Sancho against Leverkusen to me, um, even though he missed that first chance. And, uh, you know, he could have done even better. But I think individually for however many minutes he played in that game. Yeah, easily. All right. So that's... Uh, you know, after we uh, give our laurels, it's it's now the the uh, first negative performance, I guess, the first negative category. And so, warning to our listeners, um, they just count all the same. So the winner of the Yellow World Pot Award might not be the best player of the season, but uh, maybe the accumulation of best and worst categories. So, um, yeah, I will take it away this time. I think there is no way around Gonzalo Castro against Bayern Munich, where he was subbed off after like 30 minutes. Uh, if I remember correctly, right before substitution, and, and that it meant also Bayern's third goal or so, he, he just lost the ball at the, like in, in, in midfield right after kickoffs or something. Um, yeah, and anywho, that, that was a nothing performance in, in my view. And, um, yeah, that was just really, really bad. And I think in, in my ESPN ratings, I very rarely give out twos, but I think he earned himself one there. Matthias. You know, the problem with being asked second in these categories is that it's going to happen that I'm going to repeat what the first person says. Uh, so yeah, I have Gonzalo Castro down as well for that match. And honestly, I, uh, I put an asterisk next to it and said Gonzalo Castro every match. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is tough. But yeah. Okay. So two, 
Well, I mean, two points. Castro. You know, we have most improved player on the list. That's number eight. The player that I believe has declined the most is Gonzalo Castro over this season compared to his previous seasons where he was always inconsistent. But this season, it was it was a borderline train wreck every time. Any any idea or any explanation why that was? Maybe because he was neither a holding midfielder. Well, Although he he he's he's an eight, but he he played a lot of games in holding midfield as a defensive midfielder. Like uh, you know, I don't know. It, it was just like very odd combinations. Ne neither one of the two managers that he had to play under played in a style that fit the type of role he fits in. I think he was a very specific role player for Thomas Toche and it, it worked more than it didn't work. Um, under both Bosch and Stöger, his weaknesses were just overly exposed. And as such, he suffered under it. And you can't forget, I mean, he's also not getting any younger. So that, you know, he's getting to that point now where he's going to regress quicker. I think that's an important point, actually. Um, because I, I think like, athletically uh, he peaked around 27 or so, um, as, as most players do, especially those, uh, like f from that generation, I know, started out, uh, around 1920, uh, at the professional level. And, uh, yeah, I think he, he does decline athletically very, very rapidly, uh, right now. And, um, because his, his game was, or has always been somewhat based on athleticism and you know having or don't getting fatigued that quickly um and right now he does more and more and that really hinders him uh, even more and i mean we we, ha we have seen over the years uh at dortmund and also at leverkusen that um he's not like the kind of special special player has like one special skill that um, can mask our weaknesses. That's just not uh, how Castro works. And uh, right now, he gets he gets exposed to some extent. Yeah, is is Castro also your worst individual performance pick against Bayern, or do you have another one? Yeah, actually, it is. Uh, I just, I thought twice about it um, because I mean, I rewatched. I, I can actually remember rewatching the match uh, for some <laughs> analysis I did, uh, um, um, and. I remember seeing that a few situations, especially the one where Castro uh, gets dispossessed at Bayern, scores the third goal, the second goal, you know, one of these key marquee moments during the match. I, I remember that it wasn't actually really Castro's fault uh, because they, 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 all of his teammates just ran into cover shadows and, you know, there was nobody available. And and he was just surrounded by by three or four. Yeah, but it was it was the highlight of a very bad performance. Of course, overall. of course. I mean, that, but that was like that was the highlight of his of his bad performance. But it wasn't maybe one of the few situations where it wasn't even really his fault. I mean, everyone was was just running away from him, and then he was surrounded by three or four Bayern players. So I mean, good good luck. And he isn't the kind of like Marco Royce uh, guy who can just uh, triple out of situations. That's not an escape. By, by tripling and doing some some crazy crazy stuff that's just not what 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 Castro does and I mean he's he's more of a number six number eight guy and it's, it's usually not what he should do I mean you and Weigel's the same uh, you can't leave him alone and just you know good luck and uh, try to get out of out of uh, pressure uh, or try to escape pressure um so but but overall I mean it was a bad performance his teammates didn't really help him namely uh, Mahmoud Ahoud. Um, for, for I mean, it wasn't like was the hood playing alongside 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. I think the starting lineup was Castro and Dahoud in midfield, and 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 Dahoud didn't help uh, Castro one bit, and uh, Piszczek and Schmelzer either. And you know, I mean, that's like the and, and but Joao was just running, running uh, towards the offside line all the time. While there was no connection between you know midfield and and attacking line, so it was it was quite bad overall. Mario Götze was a non-factor as the number ten, so um, because he was basically playing a second striker. Uh, so, so I mean. It was a bad performance by Castro, but but let's not kid ourselves. Or they were just bad overall, and uh, Castro was like the the captain of the Ziggy ship. Ship. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean that that game was yeah. I'm I mean it's it's hard to. I mean maybe it's not not nice to to pick on Castro in that game because as you just said, so many bad performances there, and and also just so so weirdly coached the the game plan and everything. I I, I still not. Still not quite sure what happened there. So, um, Castro is Castro is the kind of player who needs a lot of coaching and yes. uh, a lot of like match planning and advice beforehand and during the match when it doesn't go well. Um, and yeah, and Stöger just you know swim and survive. Good luck. <laughs> and and, and, and it, yeah. did, it didn't happen. So okay, I you know take you off after forty minutes and destroy your morale. Uh, All right. That means uh, we now have two leaders here. It's Gonzalo Castro and Jaden Sancho for <laughs> two different reasons. But uh, yeah, this is the uh, the nature of the Yellow Airport uh, Season Awards. Um, category five is uh, the best goal of the season. Matthias, before you complain, you take it away. Well, obviously, uh, since we've got to put Sancho ahead of Castro, um, he's going to be named <laughs> in this. This is the Akanji to Sancho to yeah. Philip goal. Um, it's just, it, you know, obviously I watch these matches way too early in the morning when they're live. It got me out of the seat. And, and that's really when, you know, it's, it's a good, it's an amazing goal or an amazing moment when you stand up, when you're at home watching something. And that's what that did. It's one of the most memorable Dortmund goals in recent few seasons, to be honest, just because the pass from Akanji, the touch from Sancho, and then also the finish from Philip. It was just the perfect, fluid team goal. Constantine? Yeah, actually the same. Um, also, I, I, when considering best performance, uh, I, I thought about Akanji in that particular match against Leverkusen. So, uh, I mean, it was like low key greatness. Um, All right. By, by Akanji. So, yeah. I had this goal written down too, but I don't want to be the guy that also just adds a plus one because that that would be boring and Dortmund did score a lot of different goals and I would say there are a lot of great goals and um, there are also a lot of great team goals but I mean we can go for a couple of uh, stoppage time winners like Batroy or uh, against Atalanta for example or Christian Pulisic against Hoffenheim but um, what about what about the, the goal against Tottenham actually the first Tottenham match, I remember there was, there was one great, I think, Jan Molenko, maybe? Yeah, that was a screamer from range. This is also a very good candidate. But um, I took a different approach and I just uh, looked at, at goals that, that were really, really unlikely for me and uh, very beautiful. And that's the uh, sixth one against Gladbach, scored by Julian Weigel. It was a drop kick, as we say in, in German, Right into the uh, where, where the old sleeps, that was uh, yeah very unlikely, 
that he would score such a goal and was an absolute screamer from range, uh, taking first time. I think, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was a Matthias Ginter assist as well, who, who, uh, headed it right in front of Weigel. I'm not entirely sure, but, um, yeah, well, maybe Jonas Hofmann, something, something like that. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a great goal. And, uh, since you picked the, uh, that free flowing combination, which, uh, I think involved that, uh, First touch of Sancho that I earlier described, uh, Julian Weigel gets the nod for me in this category. And obviously we'll put Jaden Sancho ahead again. Um, then I guess category number six, best signing of the season, Constantine. Best signing of the season. Did, did you send me actually these categories? I'm a little bit surprised. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, actually. there, yeah, I, I did in Slack. If you go there or in our Skype conversation, yeah, you will okay, find okay, the all right, uh, all right, all right, all right. I just, you know, I, I, I wrote down all the, the user, ca uh, the reader categories. Um, I just, you know, I want to get into that, uh, as well. But all right, uh, best signing. Um, I mean, there is an obvious one, which is Manuel Kanchi, of course. Um, because, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> obviously, uh, it's just, you know, the, the, the back line is, uh, Dortmund's biggest weakness right now. Uh, although, I mean, it's, it's a defense in general, but, you know, back line. Um, and, and, uh, Kanji gives some hope, um, that that will be, it will change. Um, but I also like actually Jaden Sancho as, as a signing and to give him one more point, I, <laughs> I would just say Zayn as, uh, Jaden Sancho. And I will, right. I will I, actually, I will keep calling him Jordan Sancho uh, for uh, for the next five years, just so you know. All right, all right, Jordan Sancho. If that's your humor, why not, Matthias? In it's case not humor, you... it's actually just a mistake because I I'm just I don't know why. Okay, Matthias, uh, your signing of the season. My signing of the season is Maximilian Philip. Um, I think, uh, of course he was hampered by the fact that he had, he was out injured for a while, but when he played most of the time, there were a few performances where he kind of disappeared, but overall he tended to always play really, really well, got some great goals, some important goals, worked really hard, um, never seemed affected too much by some of the negativity surrounding the club this season. And overall, a great addition who I think next season will have um, a really, really good season for Dortmund. So Maximilian Philipp would be my pick. Yeah, that's also a very good pick. And I was contemplating that too for a very long time. And I, I think Akanji would have scored more points in, in that category just because I, I think that he is maybe an even better signing and even a more needed signing. However, I went into another direction. And I'm uh, going with Michi Bajuai because Borussia Dortmund lost their star striker in the middle of the season and uh, things looked really, really dire and it wasn't quite sure who they would get. There was a lot of unrest in the team because of the shit that Aubameyang pulled to, to force his move to non-Champions League side Arsenal. And... Um, It wasn't really easy to find a replacement that would hit the ground running and that would sort of make people forget about Aubameyang in the instant. And I think Michi Batruai did just that. Um, in his first game against Cologne, I think he, it was, he, he scored. And again, uh, in, in the EuroLeague, he had a couple of good, ga good games. And obviously his, his, uh, scoring rate, seven goals in, I don't know how many games, but he scored 
like every 120 minutes, which is pretty good scoring rate in the Bundesliga. Um, Aubameyang's was, I think, every 109 minutes a goal. So a little bit better, obviously. And um, yeah, for Stögerball, if you want to call it that, Batshuayi was also a very important player because Stöger obviously needed a, a back-to-the-wall striker that can help, you know, hold onto the ball when when the players don't know what to do with it and just ping it long. And so that was something that Aubameyang couldn't provide that much necessarily. So um, considering that probably Aubameyang and Batshuayi would have been lost in a lot of games, but Aubameyang even more so in the second half of the season, maybe Batshuayi actually had a couple of better performances than uh, Aubameyang could have provided. You never really know, but um, just considering the the yeah the pressure that was on Dortmund and uh, the season on the line and Batshuayi did score some really, really important goals to save them points. I'm just talking, for example, about the late winner against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt where Dortmund conceded like uh, close before stoppage time and then Dortmund also immediately responded with, uh, yeah, that was also, I think, a, a goal on the turn from Batshuayi where he took like, you know, the extra half a second or something just to to really find his composure. Um, that that sort of thing that was really important. So, um, while I also agree with with your picks, my uh, yeah, vote goes out to Michi Batshuayi, and um, that I guess brings us to the worst signing of the season, and um, yeah, the the, the problem. Did you want to say something? Constantine? Oh, no, I just was All right. seeing. All right. Okay. All right. The worst signing of the season to me is Andrea Molenko, um, even mm. though he had a very bright start. But he cost a lot. Dortmund proclaimed that he scouted, them for, uh, scouted him for like 300 years. And um, I guess Sascha Flieger, the press officer, once explained to us journalists like when, when there was like a training session that nowadays players are scouted by like five scouts. One looks like at the character and one just at the defensive and one of the offensive and whatnot components. And so uh, the guy who looked uh, at defensive was uh, exactly the guy who looked at the defensive skills was uh, not in Ukraine while the, while I don't, I don't know what happened there. Had, but, had, a, um, had a bad Russian stream. That was the problem. Yeah, maybe that was it. But uh, yeah, Yamolenko was uh, truly disappointing. He looked, as uh, Lars would say, cooked after like a half hour or so. Um, and yeah, he couldn't really help the team at the latter stages uh, of the season whatsoever when he came back from that injury. And I I just, I don't know. Um, I, I feel for a player that Dortmund invested 25 million in that was, uh, you know, supposed to replace, uh, you know, one of the biggest losses right at the start of the season, Usman Dembele. I, I just don't think Dortmund really made their homework there. And it really showed how stretched Yamolenko was in the defensive department. I think he, attacking wise, he, he did all right. But, uh, as soon as teams figured out his one trick way would like, <laughs> have 10 step overs and then cut to the inside and try to shoot with his left foot once they figured that out he was pretty tame as well so um yeah the ukrainian man uh wins it for me as the worst signing of the season all things considered and a little inside scoop my mom once uh, saw him buy a barbecue grill a, a big grill at the river so there you go with that information that you have now Matthias, who's your worst pick or worst signing of the season? What? 
Well, for me, it also has to be Andrei Yamulenko for <laughs> for a few reasons. Um, and and obviously, the money is part of it. The fact that he was injured, uh, that he struggled to cope with the Bundesliga uh, and the quality in the Bundesliga compared to obviously where he was coming from, where you know Kiev is one of the two best teams, the two only good teams uh, in the league. And also the fact that I, it, I was kind of disappointed because I'm actually a really big Yamolenko fan. I like that type of player. I like that flair player. I don't care so much about the defensive work because, in my opinion, Dembele wasn't much of a help defensively either, uh, just like Obama Young wasn't and so on. So it, it, I, that really doesn't enter the equation for me. Um, it's just I, f I felt like he didn't quite cope with it very well. And obviously the injury really hurt. I'm hopeful. I don't think they're going to sell him after the season. I think they're going to give him another season. And I'm hopeful that'll get him, and and then also with Favre as as a manager to maybe get to the point where where it finally clicks. Because again, I'm a big Yamolenko fan. When he when he's on, he's amazing. Um, but he was more off than on. Uh, but then again, really, most players were more off than on this season. So for Dortmund standards, but yeah, I I will agree with Yamolenko there. All right, there's another good shot for Jeremy Tolyan. Is that your pick, Constantine? Yeah, I actually considered Tolyan. It was somewhat of a close call between him and Yamolenko, and I thought yeah, Tolyan was just was signed for a transfer fee of seven million euros. Uh, never could, you know, he's 23, right? Uh, a fullback. Never considered like like a guy could. Um, be like key player for the German national team, for instance, uh, where now Yamalenko co uh, cost, uh, I don't know, three times the money or four times the money. Um, and yeah, it was it was a close call, but after the barbecue, st uh, cool, barbecue cool story at, at Rewe, <laughs> um, um, you know, that puts that puts Yamalenko ahead. And uh, yeah, he's the worst. I mean, who and... buys a big barbecue grill at the freaking supermarket? Like, well, well apparently uh, you're a 25 million guy uh, who probably earns 5 million per year and uh, just for it, he had to go to the supermarket and uh, buy his barbecue club. So, no, no, that's that's at least your signing. And I guess, I, I, I hope he at least buys uh, some proper uh, meat and, you know, not kind of cheap stuff you get there sometimes. All right, then the next category is most improved player of the season um really wonder what you have to say there constantine yeah that's uh of course a bit problematic when you had a season <laughs> like that that you find somebody <laughs> exactly. who, who has actually improved and you figure like oh well is, is it possible uh had you asked me after uh eight weeks 12 weeks maybe 16 weeks i probably would have said uh Pulisic, actually um, because he carried the team early on a bit, at least you know the attacking department. Uh, but <laughs> he uh, you know slipped uh, afterwards, or like when everything came crashing down, he also slipped and uh, wasn't the same player then. Uh, and then especially in the second part of the season, um, I think the only player who really improved uh, when he was fit and available was uh, Maximilian Philip. So I think he's the most improved player. All right, interesting shots. Matthias? Well, you know, originally I was going to go with Mario Götze, because uh, I think overall he's come more and more back to the Götze he used to be, and 
I'll be honest, I'm still annoyed that he didn't get nominated by Leuve for the World Cup. But then I thought about it in terms of the season, in terms of last season. And yes, compared to five seasons ago, he's not improved. But compared to the beginning of the season or last season, he's definitely improved. And I'm going to go with Lukas Piszczek. Um, last season was very odd for him. He had his injuries. He still wasn't fit at the beginning of the season and looked like a massive liability. But then as he gained fitness, honestly, he was one of the people I trusted the most in the Dortmund's defense and played really well, was kind of one of those cool heads um, and, and improved a lot. So I was happy to see him get better and better as the season progressed, also with his fitness, knowing his age, and it's good that he signed a contract extension. So I'm going to go with Lukas Piszczek. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good shout. And uh, he would definitely win the Met more. I don't know if definitely, but he is a very good contender for most improved player within the season. <laughs> um, also, just because he had a really horrible start. Uh, you know, there were games against Tottenham, especially at the away match, where I thought, oh, God, save us. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, it worked out quite okay for him. And, I actually went with with a player that uh, might surprise a couple of people, but I thought he actually improved quite well until, sadly, I wrote an article about him that jinxed him and he picked up an injury. But to me, it's uh, Shinji Kagawa. Um, I thought that uh, Anna Peter Bosch and also Anna Peter Stöger, especially Anna Peter Stöger in the second half of the season, that uh, he really performed on a level in a more consistent fashion than he usually does i i think um for the first time in a very long time kagawa managed to save his good form uh, across a winter break or any break so i i thought he i don't know he didn't get a lot of accolades this season but i i thought he really um yeah improved quite a lot he was very mature and he was also a lot, uh, like a key guy in, in terms of bar retention and just in terms of of creative spark that just yeah from 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 deep on the field that just didn't really happen quite a lot and he had all, always these little turns where he was contested where he just received the ball from like very awkward angles and then managed to do something with it managed to play around the player and just had little dings and and, and whatnot into the path of another player and he instigated a couple of nice counterattacks so to me, if we look back at the at the previous season where Kagawa didn't really do all that much and I was wondering whether, you know, he would have to leave or, or whatnot, I, I really thought that uh, he improved quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's a very debatable point that I'm making and I'm sure uh, other people will feel differently. But to me personally, Kagawa wins this category um, even though he's probably not the best player of the season, but uh, I think he improved quite well. All right, category nine, and that is uh, suggested by Varys. It's shortest amount of time between match and first drink. I have <laughs> written down the 6-0 against Bayern Munich, even though I am not much, uh, not, not someone that drinks a lot, but uh, Dortmund were down by three goals within 23 minutes. And... Uh, yeah, that sort of contest was over quite early and was a dire, dire performance. Um, I, I think a couple of other contenders for, for this sort of category is also the away match to 
Atalanta, where it was really raining and you kind of knew from the get-go this is going to be terrible <laughs> and better drink now so you can make it through there. Constantine. Um, yeah, uh, also the Bayern match. Actually, uh, I think I think if I remember correctly, I was watching the match uh, in a bar in Berlin. <laughs> Uh, so the twinking started before kickoff. <laughs> pre-game, but but yeah, pre pre-game twinking. But uh, who, you know, people who know me know that I'm like more of a light drinker pre-game, and more of a hard drinker post-game. Uh, but if I remember correctly, the hard drinking started after 15 minutes um, into the into the <laughs> what, match. What, and what did you get? Um, I f- I think we started lightly with some with some gin tonic, like five of them. Um, and we went straight to vodka uh, at halftime and we're probably blind uh, around the 18-minute market. I I don't remember correctly. I I don't know what happened after after the match, but uh, there were, as as per usual in in Berlin, um, there are thousands of Dortmund fans. And, you know, when you go to a sports bar, um, you usually meet a lot of Dortmund fans, um, just, you know, not not only people from Berlin, but just from you know because many Germans uh, moved to Berlin and and uh, yeah, so we meet a lot of Dortmund fans uh, just because Dortmund is where we right now at least you know uh, just one of the fa- uh, fan favorites and uh, a lot of of Volks fans as they say in Germany you know success fans or whatever you want to call it who write their success wave um, yeah and and um, I mean I was more you know I I, I took it easily. Uh, compared to some other guys, um, if I remember correctly, um, and and also, but I remember like like there was like the, f- the I don't know the tenth or fifteenth time I watched uh, uh, or in the past few years I watched the Dortmund match in a, in a bar in Berlin, and quite frankly, most of the time it doesn't go well for Dortmund. It's just <laughs> it does. I remember a few other matches. I remember watching the Napoli match, uh, the, the the away game at Napoli uh, at the bar when uh, f- years ago when when Klopp was you know sent off. Uh, and and Buvac had to take over. Uh, that's really that's like 2013 or so. Um, yeah, that that's kind of stuff that happens when I watch uh, matches in the in the Berlin bar. So um, I don't know. Maybe I should stay away and you know watch at home or just leave Dortmund alone because they are f ups uh, when I watch it in a bar. I guess there's there's a link between both events, of course. All right, Constantine has raised the bar in terms of drinking <laughs> and also in terms of jinxing. Yeah. Matthias, which game took the hardest toll on your liver? Uh, well, I mean, the saving grace for me is that living in Colorado, most of the time matches kick off at seven thirty in the morning. And uh, I thought I you would ha- say you were stoic, but all right, <laughs> no, no, I've I've young children at home, right. Constantine, and okay. I think Fair if enough. I start heavily drinking at nine in the morning, I would be called an alcoholic. Um, so for me, it's very, very simple. I, of course, spent uh, three weeks in Germany in March, and got I was I was treated to the <laughs> second leg against Salzburg, nice. and uh, <laughs> that yeah, I I mean I wasn't drunk, um, <laughs> but I was definitely drinking uh, at halftime. And basically the entire time, and then kept on drinking after that for a couple hours. That was that was certainly one that that needed alcohol to wash away the memory of just how bad of an overall performance it was. Yeah, that was the game where I missed the first five minutes, and uh, you know I can't regret that I did. But uh, I was uh, looking for another chair because in Salzburg they basically have a have a balcony which is made out of steel where like the the press people sit and they have like plastic garden chairs 
and uh, yeah they were a little bit uh, understaffed for the chairs and since i arrived like the like two minutes before kickoff or, or something like that uh, i had to find a chair and uh, yeah in the first half i ended up i i think i ended up standing even so yeah that was that was a really weird game and one to forget but the good thing is uh it was a family trip uh, my wife and uh, we 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 took our dog to salzburg and uh I always knew it doesn't really matter how bad this game was going to be. I would have two re really nice days close to the Alps. And uh, yeah, as we traveled back to Dortmund, stopping at Chipotle at Frankfurt. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I had forgotten all about that game, which really says a lot about how beautiful of a town or city Salzburg really is. And I can only advise it. Uh, uh, yeah, not advise it, but yeah, I can advise everyone to to uh, go there and uh, because yeah, secretly you are working for the tourist department of Salzburg I guess yes yes yeah, sure yeah. I have Obviously. to completely agree with you Stefan there my wife and I we had our honeymoon there so huh. it's it's a fantastic city yeah it is it is um next and I, category and I know I, I know I know people in Salzburg yeah what a, what a, what a small world <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they 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 might go by the name of Rene Marge one day Actually, I thought of our people, but yeah, right, actually. <laughs> yeah, just to name one of the million yeah. people Konstantin knows from Salzburg. Anywho. Um, Bloody Austrians. Yeah. <laughs> That's also one of the uh, headlines of this season. Anyway, um, category 10, which is uh, brought to you by Lukas Stoller and uh, moment which gives the mo most hope for the future. Uh, and last wrote down final whistle was Hoffenheim, which is a very very good choice. Uh, Matthias, do you have a have a different idea what in in your view was the moment that gives you the most hope for the future? I certainly have written down one, but I don't know if you can find another one. Well, I'm I'm not quite as dour as Lars <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, I think he's secretly a Scotsman. Um, I'm gonna say, wow, he's uh, not even here to defend himself. I know, I know, I know. Well, I live in Scotland, so I'm obviously an expert. Um, no, I'm gonna go actually with my answer from number five, which was that Akanji Sancho Philip goal. That gave me a lot of hope. Just seeing how they played and and these younger, talented players, basically all three newcomers. Um, combining so effortlessly to score such a great goal, that gives me a lot of hope for the future. All right. Konstantin? Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I made a mistake. I thought it was like a moment or player, uh, you know, which gives me hope. Um, so I didn't really write down a moment. Uh, I have to it think about matter. one. We, we, we actually have, have a, a I think, do we have it with the next yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. But I, but I have a moment. I have a moment. All right. The moment Dortmund, the club, released uh, the the press release, released the press release, whatever. Um, <laughs> that uh, Lucien Favre will become new Dortmund coach. Now that's a very good shot. Can you explain yourself while I uh, still add the numbers for uh, Matthias into the uh, Excel spreadsheet? All right, uh, like a peek behind the curtain. Uh, I like it. Um, you know, putting down the fourth wall. No, uh, just uh, I, yeah. I, I think I think over the course of the over the course of the next fifty podcast episodes, hopefully, uh, hopefully it will be fifty. Um, uh, we can we can talk about Lucien Favre and uh, we can talk about uh, hopefully his success uh, with 
the black and yellows and um yeah i mean i i i, I the, 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 yeah here's here's the thing uh just you know to get off track too much but um i think peter bosch and what happened to bosch is uh, a warning sign um that you know if, if they don't give uh far for at least some time you know and stay patient a little bit um then of course that the entire Fafa project could also go, uh, go south very quickly and like you have an, you have to find a new coach in december again and good luck finding a new one uh, because like like these interim type of coaches like like Stöger, they are rare um so who knows but um i, I think Fafa uh, could do quite well with dortmund and with doing well i don't mean challenging bayern for the title Although who knows what uh, Kovac will will, will do, uh, because like that's a wild call in itself. Um, but I think at least stabilizing and you know reestablishing Dortmund as the number two in in the Bundesliga would be something of an achievement in, uh, over the course of the next two years. And I think right now that's that's the best thing. Um, and then ch- maybe we're challenging Bayern after one season. So and I expect actually that that Favre is uh, capable of doing that if they leave him alone. Because if history has you know just emphasize one particular thing when it comes to a father leave him alone and don't doubt him and don't uh you know dispute everything he says because then he just throws in the towel um you know quicker than you can say westfalenstadion <laughs> westfalenstadion uh can do that pretty quickly so yeah but uh, yeah, you've I, made I, your... I only i only on step <laughs> But but yeah, that really proves your point uh, about Favre. I mean, he is a guy that has a lot of self doubt. And at this point, I want to uh, say that we actually recorded a Lucien Favre episode last week, and you can listen to that. And while I'm at it, I also want to apologize for screwing up my track, which now skips ahead a little bit more often than it should, and sounds a little odd. But as smart as I was, I threw away the entire backup file before I managed to uh, realize that i've made an error in editing so it's oh, irreversible small to you, small to you. so yeah yeah after over 200 episodes of uh, podcasting experiences it still happens still um, still a bloody beginner yes st- still a noob um but um yeah my uh, moment of the season that uh, gives m- most hope for the future um i think Favre is actually a good shot and uh Sancho and and so on also because uh, you know it it was just as Matthias described the goal it was just a little um, yeah peek into what actually what sort of potential lies in this team um, but my my moment of the future that yeah gives more hope for the future is actually the con- uh, the contract extension of one Marco Royce um, I thought that was really something because usually you would expect a player of his caliber to realize all right this is not going into the right direction i've been here for so many years and i was really hoping to win a lot of titleware to play in a competitive team to make my next step and so on and so forth obviously he's a homegrown player he identifies with the club but uh you know we're all not uh, romantic enough to believe that this uh, yeah, it's enough to give, convince a player that is, I would say, close to world class. Sometimes even world class. Sometimes not at all. <laughs> but uh, you know, he he is a very talented guy, and I actually not expected him to to uh, extend his contract. I expected the uh, where will Marco Royce go saga to unfold throughout the uh, second half of the season, and uh, 
ja, Royce extended his contract when Dortmund were not in a very uh, positive position. I think that um, reinstated a lot of hope at the, at the club that there is someone uh, you can build a team around and someone that uh, actually believes that Dortmund have a good perspective. I, I think that's the, the most important message that, that Royce really sent there, that like, your main, your best player really still believes in, in the club and that it can go forward. And I think uh, it was a nice insight into, uh, yeah, basically that someone very important is believing in the future and giving fans the hope that they can chime in and go to. So that's, that's uh, my moment of the season that should make everyone hopeful for the future and I sort of feel like if you have a Mario Götze on your team and also Shinji Kagawa or whatnot you, you at least have an axis of, of players that can be really great if coached by the right guy and um, is also an axis you can build upon because To me, they're all somewhat burned with Götze's move to Bayern, Kagawa's move to Manchester United. That means when they actually do have a really, really, really great season that, you know, the chances of them leaving right the next summer or whatever is maybe not that high and you have maybe two or three years uh, where you can build something on. So that's that's uh, my two cents on that. And that brings us to the uh, next category. And that is um, player which gives most hope for the future. Um, and I, I would actually say Mario Götze. I, I think that he is getting better and better. Uh, he obviously has a really, yeah, difficult metabolism disease. And, uh, the problem is that, yeah, he is still somewhat dealing with that, but he is getting it under control better and better. And he already showed a lot this season what he can do that he can make the difference for this team maybe not as the flashy player that grabs all the goals and assists but i i think he can become a very crucial part of of this uh of this team and i think under lucien favre he might even do much much better um i i think that's going to be a style of football that will suit mario Götze really well and i still think we can get some top class performances out of him and also just because i like his sort of story now because there are people out there hello stefan ursfeld that basically said look Meyer Götze, he grew up as like the the promise for germany's golden future and now that future is apparently behind him because he scored that goal at the world cup and now he's not even there and whatnot and uh, he left dortmund and was like the judas and then he returned and has to regain the love of the fans and whatnot. And it's it's really interesting to see how this journey ends. So to me, he's still a very special player. And yeah, I, I really do wonder what happens with him. But I I don't know. Somehow in my mind, I, I maybe maybe just wishful thinking. But to me, it's it's really hopeful Yeah, to, to have him on, on the team because he is actually a player you can build on. If we think about the likes of uh, Pulisic and Sancho, obviously they are very exciting, uh, especially for the for the short term future for next season. But then obviously they will probably both think about what's to be their next step. And so I, I'm thinking more about the midterm future than the short term future. So Mario Götze is my vote there. Matthias, after I just talked for like 20 minutes, please take it away. I'm sorry, I nodded off there for a moment. Um, <laughs> are, are you still there? I'm, 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 I'm gone. Here. 
I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm, um, you know, Guts is a great shout uh, for all those reasons you said, um, because there's more to it than just the playing. There, there are also the off the pitch things uh, to consider. Uh, my vote was originally going to go for Akanji, but then I really thought about it. I said for the future. And, you know, watched him play a little bit, a few times for the senior team, watched a little bit more play for youth team and so on. And I'm going to go with Sergio Gomez. Um, just because I think there's just so much there from that young player. And the fact that he, you know, is playing for Dortmund, not Barcelona. You know, it's a lot along the lines of, say, Jaden Sancho said, I'm going to leave Manchester City and go to Dortmund. And apparently there are going to be a few more signings like that announced in the next day or two of young players uh, coming to Dortmund. And so I'm going to go with Sergio Gomez. I, I, I'm very optimistic about the impact he can have, uh, barring, of course, any unforeseen injuries on Dortmund's first team future very soon. So in the next season or two. Yeah, he always gets a lot of praise from everyone at the club just because he's very well behaved, very professional. And uh, we have heard a lot of um, yeah trouble coming from other very young players at Dortmund that didn't quite have the same professional attitude. And uh, yeah, Sergio Gomez is apparently like the the contrasting and the the more positive example of that. Constantine, uh, since I just uh, met you not off, you can now be very brief about your pick. Okay, uh, your strength. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> do you want to explain yourself, or I, I think we've not, done not enough nice. explaining. You underha underhanded uh, insulted me. Um, uh, great. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this you know, Mokoroi is, is 29. I don't really remember when he turns 30, but I think next year, but still... Um, yeah, next year in la in like two days, his birthday was on the 29th or the 30th or something like that. Right, May. right, so right. I was, I was just thinking about, like, I read something about his birthday. I, but I, all right, okay, you're, you're correct. Um, maybe I should have read the article about his birthday. <laughs> I didn't. I just read it's through fine. the headline because I'm a millennial. Peace out. Uh, peace out now. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's 20. All right, he's 29. Um, when we talk about future, I mean, I don't know how to find future. I think, I think for the foreseeable future, which is in football, the next six, six months or so, or the next uh, few years, I think because, as you mentioned, he extended his contract, uh, world class player, one of the few Dortmund, uh, still has. Um, I mean, after, you know, uh, letting or, you know, have, having to let, uh, um, Osman Demele go and, and Oameyang go. So, um, I, I think Royce and, and Götze are the two, you know, uh, world-class players Dortmund still has, and and Royce uh, because he extended his contracts back to form, fit, not injured. Uh, hopefully, has a quite satisfying World Cup. I don't know if uh, Germany wins the title, but at least satisfying one because he never went to one. You know, he should have been. I mean, he should have been already. Uh, world champion. Uh, I mean, in 2014, he was like the hope for Germany, and then he got injured again. Um, he never won a, won a title. I don't count the German FA Cup. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, I don't. I mean, that's like pointless. Uh, he never won a big title, big trophy. So his is you know, it's it's just empty in his living room. I guess there's nothing in there. 
there are no trophies in his living room. It's it's quite sad. Um, so uh, so, but I, I'm hopeful that that he, you know, he's like the Schweinsteiger of Dortmund or something. He he will leave when it doesn't really hurt anymore that he leaves. And and I think uh, over the next two or three years, he he's like the the cornerstone for Dortmund because he's the one world class player who's reliable when he's fit. Mario Götze is also a world class player, but he's not so reliable right now. Or is is that's and true. So I hope he doesn't get injured again. I hope <laughs> no one at, at the World Cup, you know, dares to just tackle him uh, and, you know, um, kick him into the into the ground. I don't hope that happens. Um, then we can have some fun with one mocker race. Was yeah. it short enough? No. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, but you, but you stole all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why not? Why not? We, why we are not 55 minutes once? in and you talk 20 about something. I don't remember. Mario Götze, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I have a very heartfelt speech. Freaking really? millennials. Can you even listen to yourself when you go on your own little monologues? Or do you uh, just I, I, never, I never re-listen uh, to a podcast. So, uh, okay. No, I mean, why are you, why are you talking? I, I don't I don't really uh, listen to myself. Um, I just, I, I just ra- ramble uh, un- incoherently. And yeah. All right. While we're talking about millennials, uh, I don't I don't know if if that's even a good segue or whether it's it's the, the next generation afterwards. Uh, because category twelve is best young player, Matthias. I don't think he's a millennial, but whatever. Um, uh, I'm definitely not a millennial. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I think, but young players, I, I think. Yeah. Post. I think they're yeah they're post millennial. They're whatever the hell comes next. God, I worry about the world. Post millennial, um, post truth. Oh boy. Oh jeez, yeah. Uh, the fake news generation. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, obviously it's got to be Jaden Sancho. <laughs> That's like seventy years old and sits in the Oval Office, but but whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, someone voted. I mean, he has a Twitter account like a millennial. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, you know. Anyway, yeah, uh, Jade Twitter I, accounts have no age. Also, greetings, right. Luca. <laughs> uh, no, his Twitter account's not bad. The thumbnail is bad. Um, <laughs> sorry for Luca, not you know who. Um, yeah, for the younger players, for, that's a profile pic. Correct. Yeah. Profile pic. Thumbnail. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Gosh, you're a prick. Um, Although my, my wife recently not, corrected... We are going off the rails right now. Like the yeah, time. It's, it's fine. My wife recently corrected me because GTFO isn't GTFO anymore. It's now FOH. It's just fuck out of here. And there so. comes the expletive uh, mark on iTunes. Yeah, I already said um, shit like a minute 15. So I know. I censored well, I, 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 I I myself. I said like they are F-ups or something. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of oh. fuck-ups. See, I was going to say GG, but then I'd have to shoot myself. Um, that's something you people Youngest say, player right? uh, of the season. <laughs> Best young player. Uh, Jaden Sancho. All right. Period. Done. All right. Cool. See, that's how old people talk. We end quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, you end quickly, and then we put you down. Anyway, Moving on. Constantine, <laughs> <laughs> before, before this escalates any further... I, 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 just, I just read the Wikipedia <laughs> article about millennials, and some researchers say, you know, birth uh, like mid 80s until early 2000s. So, Jane Sancho, born in 2000, maybe he's still millennial, I'm not sure, but I also uh, nominate uh, one Jaden, not Jordan, but I will still keep uh, calling him Jordan, uh, one Jaden Sancho. 
All right, we needed, uh, you know, a category five, we needed a tiebreaker. So Sancho would be ahead of Castro again. Right now, he seems to be running away with it. He's like at 6.99 points and he is leaving, uh, leading by 2.99 over Marco Royce. So I will go into a different direction. And while uh, Jaden Sancho obviously impressed for many reasons and he um, should probably have a really, really great season next year. I will still pick Christian Pulisic because as aforementioned, he carried the team by quite a lot. And I would like to remember people that he had the third most minutes of the season uh, alongside with Roman Bürki having the most, Socrates second most and Pitschek the fourth most. But yeah, he had, he's 19 years old. And he had 3,000. 38 minutes for Dortmund this season and uh, yeah we mustn't forget he had this really really tough um, situation where uh, yeah players need to be carried over water and and whatnot only to not draw against Trinidad and Tobago and then ultimately miss out on the World Cup yes I know half of our listeners come from the United States and I uh, just rubbed a massive grain of salt into their wounds but um that sort of disappointment certainly factored in into his performances at Dortmund, but I still think he, he did quite well. And yes, he had a lot of games where, especially in the end where he was just, yeah, worn out and not much was going for him. But I think overall in these 3000 minutes, he had a lot of good moments. He played really well and uh, also quite consistently, you know, until the curve took a nosedive at the very end, but uh, especially in that moment where the hysteria was really high that Usman Dembele wasn't there anymore and then Christian Pulisic, I think, scores the opener in the Bundesliga season with a goal from range against Wolfsburg and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, you know, even though it was at the beginning of the season, that doesn't mean it's out of the equation. So for, for me, it's Pulisic, best young player. Um, we can also maybe vote for Akanji or so because he is... 22 years old I don't I don't know where we draw the line because Dortmund have a lot of bloody young players like Alexander Isak and and so on and so forth um, but yeah to me that's the vote and that brings us to category 13 which is the best unnoticed performance and um, Constantine you already alluded to that you had thought about that in quite some way yeah, I thought deeply about it. Uh, hours and hours I spent on uh, particular uh, category 13. Shoutouts to Paul Magaletti. Magaletti. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, no, seriously. I think, like, if we say that the performance over over a season or, like, over a course of, you know, many months, I, I would say uh, more uh, rather than a performance in one particular match because I, I mean, we know you how can- to... You can interpret that however you want. Uh, I will. I will. I will do it the way I just said it. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just saying that you can. Okay. Thanks, Dad. I I will continue now. Um, and I say, um, well, actually, I wanted to say Maximilian Philipp, but after right, I reconsidered my choice, and I will say Lukas Piszczek. All right. What's the what's the Busquets of Dortmund season, if that makes any sense? And hopefully, it makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, Piszczek doesn't get injured during the World Cup because he's, uh, of course, a starting eleven player for uh, Poland. Matthias, how did you interpret the category and what's your pick? 
Well, my pick is going to be one where, you know, certain people are going to roll their eyes, but, you know, <sighs> the good thing is I really don't care about other people, so that works in my favor. Um, and it's going to be Roman Bürki. And here's the reasoning why. Yes, he was much maligned this season um, by certain media outlets, also here in the U.S., namely a few people color commentating on Fox. And it seems that when he did make mistakes, and of course he made mistakes, especially when you compare it to last season where he was arguably the second best keeper in the Bundesliga behind Manuel Neuer. So very, very high standards. And he fell off a little bit like the entire team did. But I've explained it before that I think a lot of his mistakes also come out of the fact that when a keeper can't trust their back line, they tend to overcompensate and make more mistakes. That being said, he saved Dortmund a lot of points this season and somehow got very, very little credit, uh, very little credit for that. But when he did make a mistake, and we will go into one of his mistakes later on, um, he got roasted for it. And basically, it's people putting it out there as if that's what he does every single match, every five seconds, which is total bullshit. Uh, he's still one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga. And uh, to me, he is, I mean, he saved Dortmund points. And there's no question about that this season. Well, given he also lost them some points, but I can see where you're coming from. He didn't lose them the Hoffenheim match. I mean, yeah, he made that mistake, but they would have lost that match no matter what. All right. I'm still going to roll my eyes for like half a second over that, though, just because. But you won't care anyway. So here goes my uh, best unnoticed performance. And um, I was there, as I already alluded to, where I was. Uh, and it was away to Salzburg. And it's Mahmoud Dahoud. Um, I thought he actually, <laughs> considering how dire and really crap that game was, uh, <laughs> he had a couple of really great passes and, and good ideas and whatnot. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't for his teammates, I, I thought he would have, yeah, gotten a little bit more appreciation. Dahoud um, had a couple of good games overall this season, but uh, yeah, as as far off as as I can think of, like you know, if you if you uh, take this very literally, game game for game performances, that I think, um, yeah, is is one of those unnoticed performances to me in a really really bad game. Um, Lars, I think, said Umar Toprak in one of those early 2018 games, um, which is also very true. I think Toprak overall didn't really receive a lot of credit despite being very vital for Dortmund overall. So that's also a very good choice. Um, but yeah, Mahmoud Dahoud gets uh, his first point from me because why not? Um, all right. Category 14 presented to you by Dortmund Inia and most frustrating player to watch. Now, who can only that be, Konstantin? Uh, Jeremy Tolian. All right. I, I actually thought about uh, Yamolenko, but I think Tolian uh, is uh, even more frustrating to watch because uh, you can see he has the tools, the athleticism, he has everything you need, be a quite, you know, a reliable um, center uh, fullback, actually. Um, but I don't know. He just underwhelms me quite a lot um, and has underwhelmed me quite a lot uh, over the past few months. So, yeah, I think he's a frustrating player to watch because you can see potential, but then he just is there and average and below average and um, he doesn't really help Dortmund's backline. And 
right now he's like a non-factor at Dortmund. I think uh, it will really hard. I mean, I, I think Favre is a is a coach who likes him because he's quite similar to our uh, fullbacks coach that has worked with over the over uh, Favre has worked with over the years. Um, but we will see. Matthias. Uh, most frustrating for me to watch. I'll judge that by the player that made me curse at the television more often than others. <laughs> um, no, no, he didn't frustrate me. He's disappointing me because right. I expect so much of him. That's the classic. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm, not, I'm just disappointed. Hey, I use. I'm a parent. I use it with my kids all the time. Uh, I, I just wanted to hey, say it, it, it sounded was, like that. That Matthias. I know. Like, disappointed yeah. Mahmoud. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, don't underestimate Catholic guilt. Okay, it's a powerful tool. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Socrates, uh, just because of the amounts of times that he was so undisciplined defensively in his positioning and when he decided to come out and step forward in moments where he just didn't have to, and left the entire back line exposed. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm also not sad if he if he goes. I just yeah, no, Socrates definitely was the most frustrating player for me this season. Yeah, that is a very excellent shout. I, I think um, he really earned that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I, I guess I'm. I'm gonna have to uh, go with the obvious choice now and uh, nominate Andre Schöle because of his trampoline first touch. And uh, as Lars duly noted, uh, he took away a lot of minutes from Jaden Sancho. Um, I'm not 100% sure if if you can say it that way because apparently Sancho's professionalism also took a couple of minutes away from him off the pitch, but that's like rumors and whispers and you never know how much truth to that is. But uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, Schuller did a lot of things not really great and a lot of uh, yeah highlight reels ended with him having the ball. Um, maybe it's a little bit unfair, um, because overall, he gets a lot of criticism. He gets a lot of amount of shtick, um, because of that 30 million, uh, price tag. And yeah, he has become somewhat of a, yeah, very popular guy to, to harp into. And, uh, I'm some, sometimes I do that myself. Sometimes I feel like it's going a little, little bit overboard. But, um, yeah, uh, since, since, uh, Matthias picked Socrates. I'm picking Schuller for this category because he at least will deserve an honorable mention or infamous mention, whatever you want. But, um, yeah, he has frustrated a lot of people with his sort of, uh, way he, he plays football. And, uh, yeah. So there it is. Uh, category 15 is the most Schuller moment of the season. From uh, Rot Borussia, I think there we go more hopping in into Andre Schöle, but uh, I actually picked another player, Konstantin. Um, I actually picked the Mainz match, losing <laughs> to Mainz. Uh, you know, <laughs> wow. because, because there was there was just so Schöle. Uh, the, the entire match was just so Schöle. Uh, you know, playing Mainz at home. Uh, you know, knowing that it would be quite good to you know just score three uh, points and, you know, seal the deal for the Champions League. Uh, and that getting surprised by Mainz counter-attacking. <laughs> and I mean, Sandro Schwartz, really the Mainz coach, even said, we will counter-attack and we want to surprise them, which was like, yeah, really? You want to surprise them by counter-attacking? Oh, yeah, they did, actually. It's it's just crazy. And that's like the most Schuller moment I can imagine. Um, it's, just, it's just so Schuller and it's... Yeah, it's totally sure. 
All right. All right, Matthias. <laughs> well, you know, since we're continuing with the uh, character assassination of one Andre Schuler, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, also a match, just the whole match, and that was the match <laughs> against Hoffenheim. Because uh, it was the same thing, everything to play for. Everybody fluffed their lines. There were plenty of opportunities to score more goals, win it, whatever, at least get a point, and couldn't do it. And, of course, it was epitomized by André Schule himself missing what should have been a goal. So there's that. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and I will actually add a point to André Schule there because he has duly earned that point for that uh, miss i mean if we continue that way he will actually win the entire thing here <laughs> and no. unless we have, we have like the most Jaden sensual moment of the season which <laughs> would be like i don't know publishing an instagram story and then scoring two goals or something like that all right here's my show moment of the season and that is uh, getting half points to roman burki and mark bartra for that colossal fuck up in stuttgart um, Whoa, that, again, that was again that that was a very winnable game, I think. Um, Dortmund ended up losing to one. They uh, had yeah a really horrendous mistake. I think it was weird back pass by Bartra and just misunderstanding B Bonanza. And it was just so, so bad. And, you know, it was also one of the best first half performances by, by Mario Götze. And eventually, I think Dortmund scored a penalty also. Um, uh, yeah, on on the rebound was it was it Schüller who scored that? I can't even remember. But um, yeah, that was also a really really weird game, and then Dortmund ended up losing in the second half because uh, yeah, Marius, uh, nee, what what what's his name? Markus Wolf, Hannes Wolf, Marius Wolf's new signing. We'll talk about him in two weeks, I guess. Uh, Hannes Wolf, yes, Hannes Wolf knows how to in game coach and make adjustments. And Peter Bosch did not. So that determined Dortmund's fate there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my Schiller moment of the season because that was just really, really bad. And, uh, if I think about like blunders and, and things like that, um, uh, yeah, that's always like on the very top of my list. And, uh, that brings us right to the next category, which is Burki blunder of the year. Konstantin goes first again. Yeah. I, I don't think it was, uh, you know, his, his most plunderish moment or something uh but i actually decided to go with the tottenham match because you know he he uh, conceded i think two goals uh you know right into the short corner um didn't look that good uh you know, doing so uh but also because uh right around the tottenham match and you know right around the time there you know the wheels came off a bit, and I think that it started around that time. And uh, you know, Berkey making these mistakes didn't really help Peter Bosch and the team um, at that time. But of course, there were other moments which were far more, you know, far, far more David James ish. All right, Matthias, your Berkey blunder of the year. Well, I think he saved the best for last, and of course, that was against Hoffenheim. Um, the less said about that, the best. Um, that was that was that was pretty crap, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, he also had a really poor mistake against Nicosia in that away game that Dortmund could have won. But uh, I mean, he he managed to save Dortmund the record of making third place in Champions League group with what was it two points. <laughs> So yeah, that that was a nice little record to have, I guess. Um, 
My Birky Blonder of the Year is actually not a play because um, he had a lot of bad plays. He made mistakes. We all covered that now. But um, it was after a game. I can't remember which one. Um, but he said basically that fans who air their discontent, who, who jeer the team and who, who whistle or boo, um, just stay home. That's what he said. Um, you know, just don't come here. Don't support your team or don't jeer your team. He, uh, yeah, Berkey just said to them, right? Just don't, just don't come to the stadium. Stay, stay away here. I don't want you here. And um, that was during a time where Dortmund were not really playing well and all boos and whistles were very warranted. And uh, I had the pleasure of asking Michael to talk about Birki's quote um, in like the mixed zone afterwards. And he went absolutely volatile about that. And <laughs> Sork then also said that, uh, you know, I, when I was a player, I had it much worse at some times and some other guy of the report has said yeah uh, rightfully so so that sort of broke up the situation a little bit and made everyone chuckle but um yeah that was a, a Berkey blunder and I think Berkey somewhat awkwardly also apologized for that in some Instagram post or whatever afterwards but yeah that's my Berkey blunder of the season because um I remember a lot of nice rants from Matthias on on this show where he says if you buy a ticket, you have the right to do whatever you want, except for maybe running on the pitch. Is that correct, Matthias? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there are certain limitations to that. I think uh, the DFB Pokal final or Mannheim versus Uerdingen showed where the, I guess, where the, you know, where, where the edge is of what you don't do and what you do do. I'm not a big fan of booing a team that's down. I'm not. I think that's, it's been proven. It's a, it's a proven that it has a negative, a greater negative psychological fact, uh, factor, uh, on, on players. I don't think it's right. I think you support your team in good and the bad. Um, but it, if you paid a ticket and you're in the stadium and you decide to boo your team, then that is perfectly fine. And Michael Zorc is right. I, as an old guy, I remember 1986 when Dortmund could have, should have been relegated and Michael Zorc was part of that team. So yeah, he's experienced worse. Um, but again, my, the way I act as a fan is different than the way other people act, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're acting wrong. It's just not a way that I would act. Yes. Well summed up. And uh, to end this on a high note, what was Berkey's best moment of the year, Matthias? Well, there are a number of uh, critical saves that he made. Um, and and I believe it was the the Gladbach match where overall he saved Dortmund's bacon over and over and over again. It was probably his most complete performance of the season. Yes, Constantine. Uh, I agree. I also thought about the Gladbach match, uh, which was, I guess, his best performance uh, in general. Like as as a match, I think was Berkey's best performance. All right, I went out and and thought about memorable saves. And I had one stuck in my head. I don't know if anyone else is there to remember that, but it was in the home tie against Tottenham in the Champions League. It was off a corner. Eric Dyer sent a header towards like the uh, long left corner and 
that was like the classic fully stretched fingertip safe and yeah that's something i i still remembered as a, a really really great reflex safe um he had a couple of those i think also against thomas Müller. so and then in, in a game away to Munich where he reacted with his feet very quickly, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's something I remember. And uh, that was a really, really great save by Roman Burki that I would say not really every keeper would save. That was really outstanding. Um, and he did have a lot of outstanding saves this season. But uh, yeah, that that's the one that stuck in my mind. All right. That, those two categories, by the way, were uh, provided by Damon. And uh, now the next category is provided by Eskener Tamarat. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I'm really, really sorry. Anywho, his uh, category is best coach. And uh, I know that you guys have some interesting answers, so I will just go out there and say mine. And choosing between Peter Sugar and Peter Bosch, I think it's going to be Peter Sugar, not only because he managed to bring Dortmund into the Champions League somehow. I know it wasn't the prettiest, but uh, it still deserves some credit. And if we simply go down by points on average, he is at 1.58 and Bosch is at 1.25. That sort of makes that choice very easy for me. So Peter Sugar is the best coach of the season for me uh, in the competition against Peter Bosch. But there are obviously some left field answers, Matthias. Uh, yeah, and and you know I'm not going to say best coach of the season. It's it's a little odd category, hard to hard to uh, say. Obviously, if you look at head coach, yes, it would be Peter Stöger because of what he achieved. Um, but I'm going to take my lead a little bit here also from what Lars Polman wrote, and that is Wolfgang Teddy de Beer, kind of an icon of the club, um, the goalkeeping coach who coached a number of quality keepers that Dortmund have had over the past decades, um, is retiring from coaching. Um, he joined Borussia Dortmund in 1987 from Duisburg and he was touted as one of the most talented German keepers. Didn't quite live up to that uh, um, quality. I mean, he also had, you know, the likes of Bodo Igna, who won a World Cup ahead of him. I kind of put him in that category of uh, Giri Ehrmann at Kaiserslautern, kind of a legend, won a few things with the club. He won the DFB Pokal uh, with Dortmund and then, you know, was the coach for... Uh, guys like Jens Lehmann or uh, Weidenfeller, of course, Bürki, and then a few other ones before that. So uh, just a shout out uh, to, to Wolfgang Teddy de Bea, who's a, a club legend who is now going into well-deserved retirement. All right. I can live with that, Konstantin. Um, I will choose uh, Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's better just to not be there. I think it's better for your career just to be gone, which in his case turns out to be true because now he's with PSG and uh, we earn a lot of money and work with great players. Um, so, yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. It's, 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 it's hard when you have like, when you had two head coaches to choose between. I know. Two, I know. And it's not like one of them. Uh, really? did quite well so yeah it's more that one lost rather than the other winning it am i right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. P peter bosch lost more uh and, and peter bosch won less also 
something yeah, like some, that. yeah something like that uh, <laughs> all right i guess last two categories and obviously they're that serious as they are coming from schmelitaria aka luca twitter legend yes um and category 19 is player you most like to date your sister or most least like to date your sister so i guess we can uh have a double combo here um where we will give two points as we take the most and the least player. Um, the most player, I don't have a sister, but if I had, I would, the, the player I would like to date my sister the most or whatever is, I think Manuel Akanji. I think he is the uh, most, uh, responsible guy. I think he's very nice and he is grown up and down to earth. And, um, so that's a very good shot. Uh, another shot would be Eric Dom, just for the uh, <laughs> for the argument that he actually would have time for her, <laughs> since he's never really playing. But 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 you choose him over Rode. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, that's actually also a good shot. Yeah. But Rode actually had. And, 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 and I mean, like you know, Rode is short, so maybe it would. All right. What are you even talking? about? Anyway, uh, because you are alright. Yeah, but maybe I still could have a tall sister. You have, you have a tall sister. Alright, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah sure. Alright. Um, Constantine, you just qualified to, to make your own choice, the squad. Yes. So, so of course, I have for Hall and long <laughs> about uh, this very important uh, question, which will, of course, define uh, the future uh, of the club. And I will. I will go with, uh, you know, most and least. I will go with uh, Roman Burki. Actually, why why would I be negative about Roman Burki? Because I think if he would date my imaginary sister, because I don't have one, uh, he would very likely, you know, he would drop her accidentally, <laughs> emotionally then, or physically. Of course, physically, because he's a dropper, as you have seen during the season he just sometimes doesn't have the grip all right okay uh but also i like him because he's good looking great hair great jawline i think getting the genetics you know getting good genetics into the family is always something you would you would like to have uh, as a brother so um yeah i also i i, I think if he gets like you know if he gets if, if he cuts out the plunder uh, I will I will go for Roman Berkey, and I think he's a fine gentleman. Uh, never met him personally, but I think uh, yeah, and and also he he keeps his tattoo game. You know, he he keeps it quite. He he, he has some, but he hasn't like he's like it doesn't go overboard with it. So I like that as well because I like like you know not going overboard with tattoos. Middle of the road approach. All right. Are, are you still there? Are you still there? Yes. Yeah, I'm 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 still here. I'm still here. Um. <laughs> Well, my sister is pretty old. Uh, she won't mind me saying that. Uh, so I'm going to disqualify there. I'm not going to go with my daughter because she's five and that's creepy. Um, yeah. So probably the nearest would be a niece who's around 20. Um, and I will then second what Stefan said, Manuel Akanji. He seems like a nice kid, a nice guy. Um, and, and I would wholeheartedly endorse that. Now, as far as not dating, you know, honestly, that's hard for me to say because all the train wrecks, Obama Young, Dembele, Moore, Grosskreutz, I, I can't, I can't really think of any major train wrecks at the club 
right now off the top of my head. So I'd probably go with Socrates because he just seems so serious and gruff and very hairy. Mm, off, the, off the pitch, I don't, he's I don't probably really nice. I, I, I think yeah. it can be fun at, at barbecues. You know, Maybe. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's why I said it's, 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 it's hard to say if there's really anybody there where I'm like – yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't what, really what have any major. Oh, well, he's just a disappointment. So <laughs> you know, there, you, yeah, that's disappointed right. Disappointed stepdad. Do you want exactly. to give him the point? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll give it to Dahoud just because Mahmoud. I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I'm not hurt. I'm not angry. I'm <laughs> yeah, just but, disappointed. But, all right, this decision making would be yeah, quite, quite something. All right, I'm. I'm actually have to pile on uh, on, on Roman Berkey, and I think he he's he's winning the uh, the thing. He's running away with it just because of uh, so many points. But um, I've heard that he sleeps around quite a lot, and uh, because of the uh, danger of uh, having some weird STD, um, he is the uh, least favorable pick for my uh, to date my Im- <laughs> imaginary sister. Um, Wait, yeah, and is it a joke or is it, is it, is it real? No, that's that's what what one hears that he likes he likes his women. So, so you're calling Roman Bürki a man whore? Wouldn't say that. Wouldn't, wouldn't go as far as saying whore. <laughs> Hashtag breaking news or something. <laughs> I know. Hashtag. Oh boy. I, I don't so know. who who who? What? We, we, we want who's he been hooking with? Yeah, exactly. There, yeah, this... uh, there are no names. Is, just... is he intermarried with women? Like, you know, does he? You know, all right, Constantine, you're way too nosy. I'm not going to air all the I'm glad the this is laundry. like the last question almost. <laughs> all right, so... We just want to know. Is he more into married women? Season. Is he more into... I, actually, actually I, I just wanted to uh, mention someone, you know, if, if your sister's like 17 and you're unsure about, you know, what, and you're a little bit nervous as the, as the older brother, I think Pudis is actually quite a good choice because he's not that old and I think... You could still kick his ass if something goes <laughs> wrong. Oh, you could totally kick his ass. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no that's not he, even He's like tiny and... See, that's where I wouldn't pick Bucky, because I'm pretty sure Bucky could kick most guys' ass. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I I think like it's a 50-50 thing, all right? But Akanji's like a, a tall one, athletic. I don't know. I, I get Bucky has big hands. I don't know if that's relevant. <laughs> Wow. Here right now, but but he sleeps a lot. I think so. we need to move on. <laughs> I haven't face pumped that much on the episode in a very long time and there were a lot of bad moments. Uh, Legendary in, moments. In general. Um so I don't know if episode uh, if category well, after geez, ninety minutes. Yeah, if, if category twenty will be any better. Thank you, Luca, again for these great suggestions. Um player most likely to have called their teacher mom. On accident. <laughs> <laughs> Matthias? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, I, I, you said Duom, so I'm just going to steal yours because I have no idea. <laughs> wow. And I need to think of someone else. Constantine? Yeah, uh, Julian Weigel or uh, maybe Gonzalo Castro. I think it's Gonzalo Castro because, un- uh, because under pressure he makes mistakes. And when his math teacher just put him under pressure, you know, you c- come in front of the class and uh, tell us something about whatever, uh, then just he, you know, he had a had a had one of his moments and just dropped the ball and called her mom and 
was substituted off. Good shout. After 40 minutes into the class, he was substituted off. He was for what, out. for what it's worth, Gonzalo Castro is actually really witty, and I don't think he would make this mistake. However, you uh, you are right in saying he's not quick on his feet. Um, <laughs> so there. Um, yeah, I I think I think Durham is is uh, the the prototype for him happening that maybe a little bit of insecurity here and there, and just just happens. Um, yeah, I guess that that uh, concludes our uh, yeah, award pod 2017-2018 awards. I think everyone is anxiously awaiting who it will be. And uh, I, I think the categories more or less already dictated the winner. And it's, again, Roman Burki with 10.5 points in 20 categories. I I think it's amazing how quickly the whole episode disintegrated after about question ten or eleven. Well, well, uh, well but we're, we're that's like, because we're we're then hour for ten questions. So I mean, yeah, that's also because yeah. we're mostly done with the with the quote unquote serious categories, and then it just gets weirder and weirder. So that's that's might be we're, that we're might talking be about imaginary we're... sisters for exactly ten minutes at least. So, so yeah, we're, Roman Burki is committed. Uh, I don't know, deserve winner, second winner, silver medal is Jaden Sancho with 6.99 points, and then comes Marco Royce with four. And Gonzalo Castro I, also has four I, because he's. I think we can, I think we can say Sancho is, is the real winner of the serious questions. Yes. Yes. I think, I think that's a very fair call. Anywho. I want to thank you guys for participating in this always half serious, half really, really dumb episode, but I'm always really enjoying it. Matthias, thanks again. And I, I think that concludes really our season, right? So uh, I want to thank you for coming on, on the show for all these episodes and for founding the Yellow Pod. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And uh, for all your great work that you're doing. And yeah, that's that. So you can now tell our dear listeners where they can find you on the internet. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's always been a pleasure. I mean, it's, you know, it's been six seasons. We're going into season number seven, which is just insane. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. Konstantin, I'm a little bit disappointed. Not mad, though, that you haven't been around this much this this season uh, maybe you're more of a bandwagon fan i don't know um but also maybe you just travel a little bit more and have more things in your private life going on but nevertheless thanks for coming on and for making this a very entertaining episode at least in my view it still lies in the eye of the beholder anyway but thanks again for coming on for explaining a lot of things and sharing your insights that is usually very great and i learn a lot from you so in that regard thank you and uh, where can people find you and your body of work on the internet yeah thanks to you as well um and thanks for the words so uh they can find me on twitter cc underscore e-c-k-n-e-r uh as you know As, as per usual, just check my Twitter and you will find anything I'm doing inside and outside football. And I think that's that's enough to know for now. Yeah, it's definitely enough. Um, all right, you can find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> what? We always have our little jibes, Konstantin. That's normal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- j- just, you know, just finish the story. You know? All right, just, yeah. Just... Let's see if I don't fumble it for like this. Oh, you will as always. Yes. Yeah, 200 no, no, times. No so. pressure. All right, mom. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, in, in all seriousness, you can find me at Stefan Wotzko on Twitter and you can find the Yellow World Pod on yellowworldpod.com on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud is where you can subscribe to us. If you want to pitch in as uh, Daniel, you can do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. If you want to reach out to us, go on Twitter. I think that's the best shout at Yellow World Pod. Otherwise, Facebook is also Yellow World Pod or just harass any one of us on our various Twitter accounts. And um, yeah, I think that concludes our little season. Congrats to Roman Bürki for winning it and running away with it in like the last five categories, which were maybe a little bit lopsided, but okay. Um, have to think about that for the next Yellow World Pod season awards or mid-season awards. Um, yeah, in the meantime, I also want to thank everyone else who pitched in, especially Lars and uh, Luca and also Abel and Jason Rose and yeah thanks also for everyone who participated in the Borussia Dortmund players from around the world segment that is very much appreciated and uh, lastly I want to thank you listeners because you have been uh, yeah very loyal to us in those six seasons and uh, still growing listenership which I'm very proud of and uh, definitely keeps us all motivated So in that sense, uh, I hope you enjoyed our little podcast for this season and until two weeks because I need a little break. So until then, where we have to discuss all the uh, rumors and new signings, until then, I wish everyone a nice little quick Yellow World Pod holiday. Goodbye.